Good morning. Good morning, Theo 102. Let's hear it from everyone who is here and alive. Yes. Yeah. We're very excited. We're getting toward the end of the creed. Oh, and we're introducing just new phrases left and right. Mm -hmm. This week, the resurrection of the body. Is this not one of the most stunning aspects of the yes. creed of Christian belief? That actually Christians believe that when we die, we're not just like leaving our bodies in the ground like some kind of clay gross casing that we had to put up with for these 80, 90 years, if all goes well, but also that our bodies are coming with us. It's very exciting. I, oh. it, and it is a striking and for some people very difficult to imagine yeah. doctrine mm -hmm. of the Christian faith. And yeah, I, I'm excited. This is one of, I think, my favorite lines yeah. of the creed. It's one of my favorite ones one. to think about. So I'm excited about today. I, the confusion must just be about this issue. Like, is spirituality and faith essentially about some other world? It's about a different mm -hmm. world, not this world. It's not actually about us. It's about something we hope would maybe happen after we die, not about our bodies now, oh. not about the world. See, to me, I think about it in terms of, like, what is a human person? Mm. And, a hu like, is a human their thoughts and their personality? Or is a human person, like, their physical form as well? So when God saves us, are we being saved, like, our essence or are we being saved, our bodies, as well as our soul? We may have to readjust our thinking in some cases here. Yeah. Our speaker today, whom I will introduce in a moment, you know, and you know her well, Dr. Leah Payne. She's an historian of Christianity. She's a scholar. She's an award-winning author. She has a dog that she loves, and her husband half loves, partly loves, okay, um, named Moxie, whom I've met and who is quite an energetic little dog, I will say that. Um, we're going to say the creed, and we're going to bring Dr. Payne out. Let's say the creed together. Are you ready? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. Will you join me in welcoming Dr. Leah Payne to the stage? There ain't no grave gonna hold this body down. There ain't no grave gonna hold this body down. When I hear the trumpet sound, gonna get up out of the ground. There ain't no grave gonna hold this body down that's one of my favorite songs and it's a favorite song in my household i have two young sons and it's the song that we like to listen to while we're dancing around in the kitchen like when we're making uh dinner and um it, this song is written by a guy named brother claude eli and he was a preacher in appalachia a holiness preacher pentecostal preacher and he was also a pretty talented rockabilly singer uh if you 
want to Google him and that song, you'll find this really awesome early rockabilly rock and roll kind of sound. And um, this song, if you come from like the Pentecostal charismatic or holiness background, it probably really resonates with you. I know it really does with me. And my sons and I, we love singing and dancing to this song. And um, our favorite version of it is by this guy named Russ Taff. Now, Russ Taff is someone who maybe your grandparents and great-grandparents uh, listen to. He is this really amazing Southern Gospel singer. And my favorite version of this song involves him singing it at this big Southern Gospel sing-along performance, um, a thing put on by Bill and Gloria Gaither called um, Homecoming. And it's basically this time where a bunch of famous older Southern gospel singers get together and they sing these really traditional songs. It's a pretty conservative crowd. Like it's mostly very traditional conservative evangelicalism, but Russ Taft comes along, he's Pentecostal, and he gives the most raucous Pentecostal version of that song. Um, and I just love it. He does all the stereotypical things. He like yells and he, and he cries and he laughs and he runs up and down the aisles and he Bits and he sweats and it's just it's something to behold and um there's this great part of the song there's a section it's a breakdown section and russ taff sings this he says one day they'll carry me off to the grave y'all like my grandma like my grandpa like my mother they're gonna lay this body down and what's really moving about that one section is in the background you can hear people yelling out the, the the names of their loved ones like my grandma like my grandpa like my brother but then he doesn't stop there he says don't cry for me don't cry for me because on this resurrection morning i'm getting up the whole place goes nuts. People start yelling and screaming and running around. Just kidding. That doesn't happen at all. It's very conservative evangelicalism. But at the very end, they're like clapping on two and four. So mission accomplished. But I love that song. I love that version of that song because it is a distillation, a perfect distillation of the central theme of this week's lesson, which is the belief in the resurrection of the body, the central, a central hope of the Christian life is that our bodies will be raised. It's actually this really imaginative take on a passage in scripture in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. I'm going to read it to you. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, this is a very mysterious passage, and I don't claim to know all the ins and outs of when the Lord will return, if we'll, how we'll hear the trumpet, what that will sound like, what does it mean to be um, to meet the Lord in the air? I mean, those are just things that I, I don't know about that. But 
I know one thing about this passage. One thing is for sure. Death is not the end for Christians. It's not that we don't grieve. We certainly grieve. We mourn deeply. After all, Jesus wept for his friend Lazarus and John. Godly believers grieved when Stephen was martyred in the book of Acts. We certainly mourn. But we don't mourn like those without hope. We believe that those who've confessed Jesus as Lord and believe in his saving work will be raised from the dead. We believe in the resurrection of the body. We have that hope. Ain't No Grave is about a central hope of the Christian life. Now, what is hope? And why does it seem like it's in such short supply? Well, one Christian theologian, a guy named Thomas Aquinas, um, defined hope as a theological virtue. For Aquinas, there's some things that can only be learned from God, and hope is one of those things. He defined hope as a future good, something in the future, difficult but impossible, but not, or difficult but possible to maintain or to attain by means of divine assistance. So it's something in the future. It's a, a future good, difficult but possible to attain by means of divine assistance. It's something that comes directly to us from God, and we can only experience it when we experience the grace of God. So for Aquinas, there were three of these kinds of virtues that can only be attained through the grace of God, and they are love, faith, and hope. And to me, the resurrection of the body, believing the resurrection of the body, is a demonstration of that hope. Now, hope in our context might seem like it's in short supply. I mean, after all, we are in the middle of a crisis, a health crisis, and we don't even know what's next. At the time, I'm, I'm recording this lecture um, on March 16th. I don't know what's ahead. It can be very difficult to hope in, a, in an extreme time, in a season of fear. We can be distracted from thinking about that future good by the fearful things that are going on around us, by the culture of distraction that we all experience, where we're you know, constantly distracted by social media, by this very intense news cycle. Um, we can see that hope is a difficult thing when we are in a cultural moment where we're afraid and also in a cultural moment where we tend to think the worst of one another. Some people call um, our current culture moment um, outrage culture. Basically, people get all amped up on social media and they say terrible things about each other when they haven't even met each other in real life. And there are some psychologists who tend who think that we can actually be addicted to that feeling, that kind of self-righteous feeling that you get when you really think you've just like owned someone on social media. It's hard for us to think about the future good when we're so distracted by things like that. And all of those things altogether, they can make us a little bit cynical. And we can be tempted to have a profound sense of despair, which is the enemy of hope. But 1 Thessalonians lets us know that our future good, this thing that our hope, uh, th this thing that is our hope, attainable only through divine assistance, 
is the resurrection of the body. First Thessalonians teaches us that our hope, the antidote to the poison of despair, is the resurrection of the body. Jesus says in John chapter 11, even though we die, yet shall we live, to paraphrase. This Christian hope in the future good is our death and resurrection. This hope can seem kind of strange and really kind of foreign to us, um, at least until very recent events, because until recently, death has seemed so far away. I mean, we've lived in a really wealthy culture and things like disease and um, death have seemed far away from us and we've been able to afford to put them at arm's length and we've been able to afford to just not think about them as much as we are probably in this, in this current moment. And when people have died, we haven't even really seen their bodies, not even in funerals. We try to protect ourselves um, from that reality, that very sorrowful and sad reality, the harsh reality of seeing a body without the breath of life in it. People are being killed in wars around the world, but we've held that at bay. We don't necessarily think about that. Most of us in this room don't think about that. Most of us don't personally know somebody who has died in that way. And in essence, in our culture, we have, or we had until very recently created a lie, a myth. Most of us have gone on on our way in our lives without really thinking about our own mortality. An example of that, this um, last Valentine's Day, my uh, spouse and I actually signed our wills, which um, we didn't do it on Valentine's Day on purpose. It was just like the only day that worked out. And we took some friends of ours with us. Actually, we took Dr. Doak and Dr. Doak's um, wife with us. Um, and we went and we were sitting in the little, um, like the, the, in front of the notary public, the person who has to like sign the will to say that it was a, it's a legal document. And we were all kind of like joking and a little bit nervous about it um, because it's an uncomfortable topic. Like all of us are pretty youngish and healthy-ish and we don't like thinking about the fact that we will die. We don't want to think about our deaths. We, as a culture, we've liked to operate with the idea that we won't die. And for all practical purposes, for many of us, it doesn't really seem real on a day-to-day -day basis, which is what makes this present moment such a remarkable moment because for most of us, it just hasn't been on our radar. And when we forget about the reality of death, we actually forget also about the reality of our hope, the resurrection of the dead, our hope in Christ, the Lord of life. So in order for us to grow in Christian hope, we have to be confronted by the reality and the seriousness of death. That's why songs like Ain't No Grave are really important. And it's a song that I think has stuck with me for many years. Brother Claude Eli from Appalachia shared something in common with the earliest Christians. Um, his, his life experience included poverty and exposure to things like sickness and early death. And it was a lot closer than many of us until recently have experienced so this is a defiant, hopeful claim. 
You may see me dead, the song says, but there ain't no grave that's gonna hold this body down. In other words, if you're close to death, when you're faced with death, our understanding of the resurrection gets that much more poignant, that much more important. And we can develop a profound appreciation for that central Christian hope. We also, we really have to clearly appreciate the resurrection of the body to grow in hope. I think in part because we're, we've been detached from this reality of our death, we're also confused about the central idea, the, the idea of the resurrection of the body. Our bodies will be raised, not just our souls. Unlike what we see on TV and movies, this very strange part of the Christian hope is this idea that our physical forms, these bodies, we will enjoy life together with God. Now, a few years ago, I taught a course, I co-taught a course with a friend, um, with, and our students were about 19 or 20 years old. And in this course, we'd been reading ancient literature. And my co-teacher and I were excited because most of the semester, we'd been uh, reading ancient Greek and Roman literature, nothing Christian yet. And we were finally, we were reading through um, history and we we're finally getting to the point where we were going to get to talk about um, Christian literature. So this whole time we've been reading people like Plato and Socrates, and we've been asking the students, what's the role of the body? What does it mean to be a human if the body isn't a part of it? And we finally arrived. We arrived at the book that you all read um, right before Christmas break. St. Athanasius's book on the Incarnation, which gives a beautiful theology of the word, the body and the resurrection. I think that book is a work of art. And it was also one of C.S. Lewis's favorite books and I highly recommend it. So these students um, were like many of us who come to Theo, very evangelical, grew up watching Veggie Tales. Um, they know what evangelicals are supposed to believe about a number of topics, Bible, prayer in schools, um, any kind of, of culture war thing. But this was their response to the belief, this theology of the resurrection. Wait, what? Are you saying that Christians believe that these bodies will be resurrected? What do you mean, like zombies or something like that? Now, I don't think that should really surprise us because the theology of the resurrection of the body was weird in the first century and it is weird today. It's an unusual claim. It's a risky claim to say, I believe that we will be resurrected. That it's not enough to say, I believe my spirit will carry on even when my flesh dissolves into the ground. But that riskiness is, is at the heart of the Christian hope. It's a bold claim to say, that death is not the end, but when you're faced with the prospect of death, it is a great hope and a great comfort. Because when we face the death of a loved one or even our own deaths, it's not really satisfying to think that we would be reunited in some kind of disembodied form. I think of the Apostle Thomas who needed to touch the body of Jesus to fully appreciate the resurrection of the Son of God we too need to have that hope that we will hold the hand of our savior, Jesus, and that we'll also feel the love of our loved ones, kiss their faces, hold their hands. That is the bold hope at the center of the Christian life, that our God became the God human, that in his death and resurrection, he raises all of us after death. 
and that when he comes to redeem this world, those of us who have died will be raised and we'll all meet him together. So practically, how do we live out that hope? How do we become people who hope in the resurrection of the body? I want to look to the past to explore a few different ways that we can grow in the hope of the resurrection. So we're going to look at things that the early church practiced and believed that can shed light on how we can grow in this hope. I want to suggest five. So first, we can grow in the hope of the resurrection of the dead through proclamation. Verse 18 says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. First, we proclaim this good news. We believe in the resurrection of the body. Christians love to talk about a lot of things. Christians love to talk about culture wars and self-help and all manner of ideas for, for good living. Um, and there's a time and place for good advice, certainly. But one thing that we can do is faithfully and repeatedly proclaim the resurrection of the body. This is a sticking point, or this was a sticking point in the past. It will continue to be a sticking point in the future. And that's something that we can proclaim. The Apostle Paul talked about it a lot, and it's something that we need to talk about too. So that's one way. Second, we can grow in hope through imitation. We can imitate Christ's resurrection in one really important way. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4, Paul says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In the second century, second to third century, um, an African church leader named Tertullian said this about baptism. Neither can our death see dissolution except by the Lord's passion, nor our life be restored without his resurrection. In other words, baptism is a way to celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ. We imitate Christ when we participate in the act of baptism. And if you've been baptized, chances are the person who was baptizing you said something like this, um, that you are buried with Christ in the waters, and then they dunk you under the waters, and then raised to new life in the resurrection, if you belong to a church that practices believer's baptism. And that's another way of saying we believe that we are, by imitating Jesus and by participating in the baptism that he asks us to do, we are actually participating in his death and in our joint resurrection with him. We can also grow in hope through courage. Now there's a famous story um, of Christian courage that comes from the early church. And it's a story of two martyrs, two women who were um, murdered, were killed by the state because of their confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. There's a famous passage about these two Christian martyrs named Perpetua and Felicitas. And two of them, um, one was a noble woman and one was an enslaved woman. Uh, one was 22 years old and a nursing mother. The other was pregnant at the time and both of them were killed in a Colosseum for confessing Jesus as Lord. Both of them understood that a very gruesome death awaited them. So what gave them courage to go on? 
Well, Perpetua's testimony has been preserved through time. She talks about having a vision. And in that vision, she says, I began to go with glory to the gate called the gate of life. And I awoke and I understood that I should fight, not with beasts, but against the devil. But I knew that mine was the victory. So, of course, the question that we have to ask and the question that others asked of her before she died was this. What victory is it for a young mother to be separated from her nursing baby? Well, for Perpetua, it was the hope of the resurrection of the dead. That she and her child wouldn't be apart forever. That she would be raised into a glorious resurrection. Now, we don't live in a nation that practices the persecution of Christians, but of course, other people in other parts of the world do. And we can be inspired by their courage. We can pray for them. We can send aid to them and we can learn from them. We can also grow in hope through compassion. We can care for others as a way of reaffirming our belief in the resurrection of the body. So the idea that Jesus would raise people from the dead, it inspired early Christians to care deeply for every body. If you believe that Jesus will raise the dead, you will care for the body. In fact, the early church created what might be called the early healthcare system. It was a network of believers who extended um, compassion to those who were sick and, and those who were dying. In the early, uh, or in the year 20, or in the year 250, 250, there was this devastating plague that spread from Ethiopia to North Africa to Italy and to uh, the, the rest of the Roman Western Empire. And at its height, thousands of people were dying per day. Now, pagan responses to this included um, making prayers and supplication to pagan gods, and Christians actually for a while were blamed for the plague, which lasted about 15 to 20 years, and they were persecuted because of it. But in Africa, a bishop named Cyprian did something radically compassionate. He led the church in caring for all who were sick, Christian and pagan, and he encouraged Christians to honor the bodies of the dead through burial. Now, in the ancient world, a common response to plagues was to flee uh, cities for the country if you had the means to do that but of course not everyone could and in fact the very poor could not but Christians in a radical act of compassion cared for the sick and the dying in later years Christians would come to risk their lives for this and they were known for defying death in order to perform these grand acts of compassion so we grow in hope when we perform acts of compassion, when we express love and care for the sick and the dying, when we value their bodies because we believe in the resurrection of the body. We also grow through rescue. Now, I co-teach um, this course, as you know, and with many, many excellent teaching professors and we are talking about this as a part of the creed, about this ancient um, articulation of the Christian life. One of my favorite lines of the creed was something that we actually talked about um, a few weeks ago, which is this line um, about Jesus's death 
It says this, he was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. What did he do while he was there? We didn't get a chance to talk about that a lot in class, but that's something that just fascinates me, that question. Early church historians um, speculate that the living word, this pre-existent light of the world, goes into the land of the dead. But you cannot keep life itself dead. No, Jesus went to the dead and flung open the gates of heaven and ushered in his resurrecting power. The dead who are once captives of the land of the dead are raised by the Lord of life. In other words, Jesus goes to the dead, but he does not come back alone. He brings his people, those people who are marked by his resurrecting blood back into eternal life. He rescues people. There was no grave with the power to hold his body down. And thanks to his divine rescue operation, there is no grave that can hold his people down. And that to me is one of the most exciting parts of this belief in the resurrection of the body, that we can participate in this divine rescue operation. So the question for us then, like Christ, we journey to the dead. Where is there death and destruction in this world? Where is the realm of death holding prisoners captive? That is where Christians perform acts of rescue. That is where Christians demonstrate their hope, the hope of the resurrection, because we bring the power of the resurrection with us. Like Jesus, we bring the life of God into the land of the dead. And like Jesus, we do not come back alone. That is the great hope of the resurrection. We steal from death. With the power of the resurrection, we cheat the grave. I think of the model of salvation that Dr. Gupta talked about. I think it was Dr. Du Gupta, or no, maybe it was Dr. Garcia, about Christus Victor, like the idea that Jesus is victorious over death. There is no grave that can hold the body of God, and there's no grave when we're in God that can hold ours down either. That's good news. And that's, I think, what it means to fully embrace this idea that I believe in the resurrection of the dead. Mm -hmm.